Caloundra City Private School is an independent, non-denominational school located in Pelican Waters on the Sunshine Coast. The mantra for our school is Every Student Matters. We aim for every child to be confident, resilient, organised, persistent and social in all aspects of their lives in and out of the classroom. This podcast series is designed to share valuable insights from academic leaders on current educational research and perspectives as we all strive to help our young people reach their potential in today's ever-changing world. My guest today is Dr Jennifer Hart, an Associate Lecturer in Early Childhood Education at the University of the Sunshine Coast. Dr Hart has 10 years of teaching experience within American early childhood settings and has coordinated courses on a rich array of early childhood topics at universities in the United States and Australia. She is an early career researcher who has captured the interest of local and national media as her topic continues to be controversial within early childhood settings. The focus of her current research is on aggressive play behaviour, a major component of various types of young children's sociodramatic play, such as rough-and-tumble play, superhero play, fantasy play, bad guy play, play fighting and gun play. Dr Hart is interested in the perceptions and benefits of all types of aggressive play behaviour, the developmental impact this play behaviour has on young children, particularly boys, and the needed reform of state and national policies that ban such play. Well, it's a glorious day here on the Sunshine Coast, and I've travelled to the university to conduct my interview with Dr Jennifer Hart. Dr Hart, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me today. What prompted your research into playful aggression in early childhood settings? A mentor of mine by the name of Dr Michelle Tannock conducted a research project about young boys' rough-and-tumble play at an early childhood setting where I was working. And after um, a brief training in allowing my boys to rough and tumble play in my classroom, I was pleasantly surprised to see the positive behavioral changes in the children, uh, particularly the boys. My boys were more patient and cooperative. They participated in group activities for longer periods of time, and they were tired. Uh, they slept at nap time, and parents even informed me that they fell asleep at night when they were expected to. So can you explain the difference between serious aggression and playful aggression? Because there is quite a difference, isn't there? Absolutely. Uh, serious aggression is behavior that explicitly intends to injure or cause harm to another person, either physically or emotionally. And playful aggression lacks that intent to harm. Although players may sustain injuries, it's because it's accidental. It's just the nature of the play itself and not its actual purpose. You talk about purpose there. How can parents and teachers tell the difference between the two types of play? Uh, there are several differences uh, that parents can easily identify just if, they're, if they know about them. The first being intent. So as I mentioned, serious aggression has intent to harm either physically or emotionally, where playful aggression lacks that intent and um, the purpose of play is for fun, for enjoyment. Uh, another indication is the friendship level between the players. 
So we know with any activity, friends play with each other. And so playful aggression is engaged between children who are friends and serious aggression tends to be non-friends. We also need to look at the actions of the players. I will say boys because that's who predominantly um, engages in this behavior. So if the boys' physical actions are not restraint and you're, you're seeing full force punches or kicks, that is serious aggression. And you really won't see them wrestling around in serious aggression. Um, however, play, playful aggression, the physical actions are restrained and you will see wrestling um, because remember the children are trying to have fun and not hurt one another. Another indicator is chase and flee. When you see children running from each other and trying to catch each other, in serious aggression, a child who is fleeing is running as fast as they can and typically straight and they are rarely looking back um, at the person being at the person chasing them. They're, they have a fearful expression on their face whereas in play a child who is who is fleeing typically runs at half speed and they're constantly looking back uh, with a happy expression to make sure that they're still in the play and that they're being chased. Verbal expressions are important to listen to in serious aggression negative threats and, and the child's tone is very negative they have an angry expression that is ongoing and in playful aggression there's a positive facial expression and a positive voice tone. You'll see the child smiling often, you'll hear them laughing. Um, negative facial expressions that align with the role of a character, uh, you will see that. So if they're pretending to be the bad guy, uh, you will see a negative facial expression, but it's very brief and it's usually followed with a smile or a laugh. We also need to look at body language. This is very helpful for when you are at a distance from the children who are playing. So in serious aggression, you'll see very tense body postures, um, a closed body where their arms are, uh, it, their, their back is bent forward, their arms are sort of protecting their body, they're in a very defensive mode, and even crouching down a bit perhaps to, uh, to attack the other player. And in playful aggression, I'm sorry, I said the other player, that was serious, to attack the uh, other participant. In playful aggression, you will see a very relaxed muscle tone. Their stance is more open, their arms are more open, and there's a positive expression. They're almost inviting you, uh, inviting the other child to come attack them and, and pounce on them. And finally, we need to look at uh, role reversals, group size, duration, and whether there are onlookers. So you'll see a role reversal in playful aggression and in serious aggression you will see children um, trying to dominate one another. They, ha they have no intention of being dominated. Um, the group size in playful aggression can be quite large. It's definitely more than two. Um, in my experience I've seen typically groups of four to six and in serious aggression, it tends to be two children who are fighting with one another. Um, those children who are fighting seriously, it tends to be very brief. Remember, one is trying to dominate the other, and, that's, and usually that's the case, and it's quite brief. Whereas in playful aggression, it's a long period of time allowing children to act out their roles, 
develop a theme and keep this play going because again remember it's enjoyment so they want to continue this for as long as they can and people tend not to stand around and watch children play unless they're supervising so in playful aggression you will not see a crowd of, of onlookers however in serious aggression uh, it's um, very much like when, you, when you're on the M1 and, and there's a car accident, people slow down and, and stop and they look. So uh, you will see a crowd of children around children who are seriously fighting. I think it's really fascinating because as educators, we often bunch the two together. I, I'm not sure if, if um, it's ever been brought to my attention that there are different types of aggression. So I find your research very interesting. Um, you've used the term aggressive socio-dramatic play. Can you explain that for us? Oh, it's a fancy way to say um, play fighting or rough and tumble superhero play or bad guy play, zombies, it's whatever the boys, and I, again predominantly boys, it's whatever those children are engaging in. It's a type of dramatic play and socio-dramatic uh, meaning it's more than one child. So it is children pretending to play. Uh, my mentor Dr. Michelle Tanik and I define it as playful aggression and it's verbally and physically cooperative play behavior that involves at least two children where all participants enjoyably and voluntarily engage in reciprocal role-playing. That includes aggressive make-believe make themes, actions, and words, yet lacks intent to harm either emotionally or physically. In a research paper you co-authored for the publication Children Australia, you said that sociodramatic play is a critical component in early childhood education programs. Why is that? because it influences young children's uh, social, emotional, physical, cognitive and communicative development. Communicative basically mean, meaning language and ex, um, expression. Um, specifically boys and children benefit in numerous ways such as learning concepts of right and wrong, practicing negotiation and cooperation, gaining the perspective of others, learning restraint, building trust and even developing self-regulation. In the same publication you said the elimination of aggressive sociodramatic play such as play fighting may have a significant impact on academic performance. How is that the case? Well we know that boys are overrepresented in school behavioral referrals for behavior support plans. They are also more often diagnosed as having a behavioral disorder as compared to girls. Uh, a, traditionally primary, a traditional primary classroom expects all children to sit and be on task for lengthy periods of time. Uh, and this style of learning is just not developmentally appropriate for young girls or boys. However, many girls can live up to this expectation and unfortunately the majority of boys cannot. Boys have an innate tendency to move. Uh, playful aggression allows boys to freely move with their friends for long durations in ways that physical education programs do not allow. It allows boys to freely interact with peers to develop social skills that can't be replicated in formal instruction. So aggressive play opportunities also allow children to release pent-up energy, which prepares them for sitting and focusing for lengthy periods of time, which is what brought me to this research, uh, is I was noticing 
particularly that my young boys were releasing their energy and were exhausted by the middle of the afternoon. You've sort of touched on it there, Dr Hart, but why do you believe that aggressive sociodramatic play should be included in early childhood education? We have two decades of international research demonstrating the benefits of playful aggression, uh, yet this research is being ignored due to adults' perceptions of aggressive play being either inappropriate, dangerous, and even violent, uh, truly violent, and decisions regarding educational policy and practice should be supported by evidence-based research and not personal preference or misconceptions of playful aggression. Many schools adopt a no hands on friends rule to avoid kids accidentally hurting each other. So if early childhood educators were to allow aggressive play as you're suggesting, how can they make sure the play is safe, is a safe and positive experience for the children involved? Well, as with all learning opportunities, it's a teacher's responsibility to provide a safe and supportive environment and this can absolutely be done by designating a play space with ample room for large movement, um, such as providing an area with a soft surface, uh, either placing a tumbling mat down or a grassy area that is designated just for playful aggression. Uh, supervising the play is extremely important, as with all activities, we need to supervise children to ensure that they are behaving in the ways that are expected and establishing safety rules with the children and by this I mean literally sitting down with the children and asking them what they consider to be safe and what they consider to be play versus non-play so for example soft hitting and pushing no touching above the shoulders using their words and stopping the play if a player is injured, unhappy, scared, or angry. And one thing that I did with my children, and I highly recommend when you do sit down with the children to develop these rules, is to also let them know what your comfort level is. And so the no touching above the shoulders was my rule, and it was non-negotiable. I simply told the children, uh, Miss Jennifer is not comfortable with children grabbing each other above the shoulders, so no neck and no head, and the children accepted that. I suppose the concern from parents and educators would be that allowing this type of play, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Most parents and teachers that I've spoken with have said, someone always gets hurt. <laughs> this is a valid concern as this play uh, does have a higher risk for accidental injury than other types of play. However, if someone is always getting hurt in any activity, then some element of that activity needs to be changed. For example, if someone is always slipping and falling near the water table, which I have heard this, uh, then put a mat or a towel down uh, around the water table to make sure that the environment is safe, safe as opposed to removing the water table play altogether, uh, because then we're losing valuable learning opportunities for children and we're contradicting providing a supportive environment. In regards to playful aggression, a change in the play space or supervision or the rules may be needed. So a particular player may need to be excluded from the play for a period of time if he is identified as causing accidental injury on a regular basis. Uh, with this being said, although many boys may enjoy this type of play, some boys may not engage in it appropriately. Uh, for some, it may be viewed as an opportunity to be seriously aggressive, and I have experienced this in my classroom, and so that child was removed for, from that play. It, 
until he was able to play appropriately within the rules that we had established. And adults can easily identify when uh, a child is not playing aggressively appropriately um, because the first indicator will be the play stops and the peers will complain to you that he, that he isn't playing correctly or that he is not their friend. And friendship is a Im very important element in this play as with every play. Um, children play with their friends. So when a non-friend enters the play, it's quite important for adults to anticipate that there could be a conflict. You talked about different types of boys there. Why do some boys engage in serious aggression, yet others are quite happy just play fighting with no intent to harm? Well, it really, in my opinion, doesn't come down to a difference in children seriously fighting versus playfully fighting. Playful aggression is just one type of play. Uh, the differences lie in a child's development. So particularly for this type of play, it lies in the social-emotional development, such as a child's um, skill set for conflict resolution, cooperation, negotiation, whether or not they have the ability to sympathize or empathize with others, and particularly if they have the ability to self-regulate their behavior. I think that's what we should move on to, having a look at um, why boys behave the way they do. Are young boys innately aggressive, or is this learned behaviour, nature versus nurture? Oh, it's, it's nature. It is innate. We see playful, aggressive behaviour in many animal species, such as young rats or dogs or tigers or monkeys. Uh, the males engage in aggressive play behaviour to develop critical survival skills. So violence is part of the evolutionary makeup of male humans? Yes, prehistoric males uh, engaged in violent behavior for purposes such as survival. For example, a young, uh, young men may have killed animals for food, clothing, and pr protection. And so killing an animal is a violent behavior. And today uh, we see men exert their aggression in socially acceptable forms such as sport like boxing and rugby. It is enjoyable for them and it fills uh, some physical need that they have. If we compound that with the aggressive marketing um, of boys' products through toys, clothing and books in terms of the society they grow up in, if we look at toy aisles, they're loaded with aggressive males, superheroes, villains, war toys, bad boy clothing and so on. Must boys be stereotyped in this way? Oh, stereotypes are discerning for many adults. Uh, however, research demonstrates that the majority of young girls will gravitate, gravitate towards pink and purple and dolls and housekeeping toys, uh, while the boys are more interested in trucks, superhero, superheroes, and toy weapons. So I see it more as um, companies catering to the desires of children as opposed to imposing their beliefs on them. Um, many girls enjoy nurturing and crafting type toys and boys enjoy building and destroying. For example, a young boy will build a tall tower out of blocks for the purpose of kicking it down and watching it, it explode into pieces. It is the actual destruction of this tower that is most appealing to a young boy. There's always differences though, Dr. Hart. Some girls would probably prefer to knock the tower down and some boys may prefer to play with a doll. How do, you, how do you explain that? Oh, absolutely. That's a good point. Um, every child is different. Uh, what I am talking about are um, 
the majority of children. So the majority of boys will engage in playful aggression and knock down towers. The majority of girls will not engage in playful aggression and enjoy knocking down towers. But we will see that. We will see some boys do not have any interest in engaging in such play and they're um, more of what some may call a gentle boy as opposed to all boy and very physical. And we will see some rough girls as opposed to those very gentle girls. So it's individual personality and preferences. Boys are playing aggressive video games at a young age. Is this increasing their tendency towards serious aggression, do you think? Well, it's my understanding that there is a lot of research that supports the notion of gaming contributing to children engaging in serious violent behavior. But on the flip side, there's also a lot of research that, suppo that supports that it, it does not. So um, it is my understanding that the outcome is dependent on the type of violence depicted within the game. However, I can't comment further on this as it's really not my area of expertise. Sure, sure. Given the, given the media and toy marketing, it seems impossible to raise a non-aggressive boy or a boy who isn't brought up to, to believe that he should be violent. Would you agree with that? Well, um, research demonstrates that playful aggression offers boys opportunities to develop many social and emotional skills that are necessary to become a non-violent adult. So again, the benefits uh, for young boys as early as age three include conflict resolution, cooperation, negotiation, the ability to sympathize or empathize with others, and the ability to self-regulate their behavior. So these are skills that are critical skills needed to ensure that as adults, they will not exhibit violent behavior. That's important because male violence is a major problem in Western society and indeed Australian society, as we all know, we need only look at the statistics. So shouldn't we be discouraging male aggression, not supporting it? Well, it really depends on what type of aggression you are referring to. Um, often we hear the word aggression and we immediately think true aggression. And one thing that I try to get out to my pre-service teachers and people in the community is, is to realize that, to use the language of playful versus serious aggression. So I do agree that serious violence <laughs> uh, absolutely should not be supported. However, given the distinct differences uh, between serious and playful aggression, I support children's pretend violence. When children pretend to be a superhero or a villain, or they pretend to be a police officer trying to catch a criminal, they're learning valuable social skills such as trust, empathy, and self-regulation, skills that are needed to um, suppress seriously violent tendencies. So by allowing and supporting aggressive sociodramatic play in early childhood, we're not necessarily creating a more violent child who may develop real aggression further down the track. I, I believe so. I am unaware of any research that demonstrates a causal relationship between real violence and pretend violence. And I'm confident that many of us have men and even women in our lives that engaged in some type of aggressive play as a child, yet have never acted seriously violent because of it. Dr. Hart, can we talk about young girls for a moment? Do they display the need to play in this way? And why, why or why not? There are some, yes. Again, it's individual preference. Um, so it's up to the girls whether it suits their personality, suits their physical needs. 
just as some boys don't enjoy rough play, some girls don't enjoy playing with baby dolls. <laughs> so all children have different personalities and interests. So we will see some girls out um, engaging e even with just boys because perhaps there's not another girl that she can rough and tumble with. And we should support that. Abs I believe so, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, at present, we're seeing an increase in the representation of female superheroes in film and television. Wonder Woman's finally coming to the screen. Females are achieving in aggressive sports such as the Rugby Sevens and winning Olympic medals. We have female police officers, soldiers, boxers. Perhaps we will see this change reflected in the toy aisle, which at present is an endless sea of pink. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I don't think so. I think the pink will remain. I'm a big fan of pink myself. Um, and uh, I, again, I think it's just choice, personal choice, and, and it's what girls gravitate toward. Uh, many girls, I can't say all. Uh, Nerf products, the Nerf company, has been the leader in foam dart guns for years. and. Um, we have an arsenal of Nerf in my household, Nerf in my household. And in uh, 2013, Nerf launched their Rebel line of weapons targeting girls, which was great for my daughter. Uh, and I must say, I'm a little excited about it as well. Um, the weapons are aqua, they're white, pink, or purple. One particular weapon is disguised as a purse. Uh, that There's a Nerf's secret agent messenger, which allows girls to write a secret message on the dart and shoot it to a friend, and the friend can read it through this special decoder. Um, it's what girls are attracted to, uh, many of them, and, and they, they want to be tough, but the majority of them also want to remain feminine, and they want to send their friends nice messages on a foam dart rather than pretend to kill them. You spoke there, Dr. Hart, about um, children using war toys. Parents and educators often balk at uh, guns and knives or bows and arrows. What you, what's your thoughts on uh, children using war toys? Uh, it's completely understandable that many parents are afraid of allowing their children to have swords or guns or, or bows and arrows um, because for many of those weapons it, the reality is that the purpose is to shoot and to kill or injure something. Um, again, this is play and children are experimenting with their surrounding, their environment, what they see in the world. And our boys know that weapons exist and they are mimicking violence to make sense of their world and, and make sense of what these, toy, what these um, weapons are all about. So allowing children to have sword fights or lightsaber fights or, or Nerf gun fights is within the realm of pretend play. It's sociodramatic play. Um, and again, the benefits that I've mentioned, the developmental benefits I've mentioned before, they will have opportunities to gain these valuable skills regardless of if they're using a gun or a sword or they're just wrestling. And again, it's not going to encourage boys to, as an adult, take up arms? Uh, there, there's no <laughs> research to support that, uh, as far as I know, and um, I will continue to keep looking. I, myself, um, engaged in a lot of gun play with my brother, and um, things that, uh, types of play we would consider to be playful aggression. I know many other adults who have as well, and uh, so... 
I think we all, I think many adults know of at least one person in their life who played in, in such ways, um, even experimented with BB guns or cap guns or things like that, uh, and have not acted seriously violent due to their play as a young child with weapons. Well, Dr. Hart, it's a fascinating area of research that you're engaged in. I'd just like to finish today on your thoughts towards education policy and the future of curriculum in Queensland and indeed Australia. How would you like to see your research implemented in the classroom? Oh, I would absolutely love to see my um, to see playful aggression supported in schools in some capacity. Every school has its individual um, preferences and culture. So the suggestions I'm giving today with supervision and play space and um, rules may or may not apply to individual settings. And so it's up to those educators to really define what is appropriate in their physical setting in addition to within their community and their with their families. Um, first and foremost, I would love to see a very clear differentiation between playful aggression and serious aggression within school behavior policies. The vast majority of policies across, um, across Australia have lumped characteristics of playful aggression, such as rough and tumble play or wrestling or play fighting with sticks, into the category of seriously aggressive and violent behavior. So unfortunately, our boys uh, are, are being penalized and, and having severe consequences at times to the point of expulsion uh, for picking up a stick and pretending that it is a lightsaber. You speak about the rights of children and that you're an advocate for their right to play in the way that they'd like to. Can you just finish today telling us about your feelings towards being an advocate for children? Uh, yes, and thank you for that. I would like to make it clear that I don't necessarily encourage any child to play with weapons or pounce on their mates. Um, I've mentioned that it's an individual preference. It's a play choice. So if I identify a desire or a child who expresses an interest comes to me as an educator and says, this is how I want to play, I will absolutely support them um, by entering into the play, uh, developing rules, and, and being safe with this type of play. I support children's right to play, and I'll advocate on their behalf for engaging in playful aggression. Dr. Hart, it's been a fascinating interview. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dr. Jennifer Hart from the University of the Sunshine Coast. If you'd like to read Dr. Hart's research papers, visit the university website and follow the links. This podcast was produced by Tracy Burton, featuring music by Paul Cusick. Thanks for listening.